not better looking. You're sort of dating him. What is going on? About a year ago, Lucy was in a terrible car accident. She lost her short-term memory. You and I are actually seeing each other. Drew Barrymore. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Real Original. Today we're going to be discussing the shitty movie, Fifty First Dates. My name's Dave. My name is Suzanne. And my name is Sterling. And I hated this movie. I'm just going to let y'all run with this one because I don't have much to say. Oh, are you serious right now? I am serious. No. Hi, my name's Sterling. (laughs) Sterling, what's your opinion? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Um... There was a joke that, oh God, I can't think of his name, Dan Aykroyd uh, told, and that was the highlight of the movie for me. Was it the walrus penis joke? It was. That joke had already been told in the movie. I know, but that was the only time it was funny, when Dan Aykroyd told it. I don't know why. Because they don't tell the punchline the entire film. What is wrong with you guys? There was way too much discussion about walrus penises in this movie. Yeah, but like... That's how it is in the early 2000s. You beat the same joke over and over. No, that's how it is in Adam Sandler movies. (laughs) Okay, do you guys just like dislike Adam Sandler? Is that what it is? I like early Adam Sandler. Um, This is early Adam Sandler. mm, Not really. (laughs) Early Adam Sandler, like, this was produced by Adam Sandler. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's early Adam Sandler to me is like Happy Gilmore or uh, The Wedding Singer. This was like The Wedding Singer Part 2, but in the sense that sequels are generally not as good as the originals. Yeah, this was this was Adam Sandler when he was kind of at his prime or coming down from his prime, perhaps. Yes. And he had already established like his own acting troupe and he had his own production company. And this was the start of an era where he literally wrote movies in exotic locations to take his friends to exotic locations. That's why this was in Hawaii. It wasn't relevant to the story. It was because he wanted to go to Hawaii. He wanted to go to a sunny place like California to film the Hawaiian scenes. And And do we blame him? Like, wouldn't we all do the same? See, that's an interesting question because I don't blame him for doing that. And from everything that I've ever read about him, he's one of the nicest guys in Hollywood, but his movies are so strikingly barren of anything entertaining for me. They aren't funny and they undercut the emotionally heavy moments with jokes that ruin the emotionally heavy moments and also aren't funny. And it just leaves me with nothing. So you're telling me that you, Dave, want more emotionally heavy content in your movies. I don't want emotionally heavy content while jokes are being spat out about walrus dicks. So this kind of makes me think about another movie that you and I watched together, Dave. Your comments sort of reminded me of of the the thoughts you had about Jojo Rabbit when you had first seen it. Like, it, it, except that this is like the op- opposite. Whereas Jojo Rabbit, there's a bunch of like laughing and haha parts. There's a part that's really jarringly dark and 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 upsetting. And you said you hated that because it was such a change in tone. So it could, it sounds like 
maybe you like your tone to kind of stick to what it should be. Yeah, I suppose so. I like things to stay within their realm of what the movie is aiming for. If it's a romantic comedy, it should be mostly a romantic comedy. Whereas this movie just, it it didn't even feel like that to me. It didn't feel like there was romance. It didn't feel like there was comedy at all. And I'm notorious for hating the rom-com genre in the first place. Okay, well, if Adam Sandler doesn't do it for you, what about Rob Schneider? Rob Schneider is the worst. What? And he was actually, he was one of the worst parts of this movie. Like, his portrayal of a native Hawaiian was so unbelievably culturally insensitive. Aloha. Sorry about your brain. What do you think you're doing? Come on over here. Take a pineapple. And it, it's disgusting the way he, he portrayed a native Hawaiian. It's, it's the exact same thing as Johnny Depp being cast as a Native American in that cowboy movie for, for Disney that I can't think of the name of. Lone Ranger or whatever. The Lone Ranger, yeah. Like, it is cultural appropriation and blackface for a different race. And it's terrible. It wasn't funny. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that's arguably the most offensive about it all is that it, it wasn't funny. It was just done for no reason. There was no payoff. There was, there was no point. It, it was just a culturally insensitive thing that made me feel dirty. He was basically Rob Schneider's character in every Adam Sandler movie that Robert Schneider's been in, but Hawaiian. 100%. Yes. I would agree with that. I feel like as long, or I guess with most of the jokes, I do think it's kind of wild to go back and watch a movie from 2004 and see like all of the like cultural insensitivity or um, there was even like sexuality points or jokes that were made that were basically the same things that just would not work today. But aside from those jokes, I felt like the other jokes were like right up my alley because I have the sense of humor of like a 12 year old boy. So they really worked for me. (laughs) Yeah. Like 10 minute Tom, like that was kind of funny. And yeah, it's sort of making fun of a disability because that like I was reading about it and that's more like if someone has this like short term memory loss thing, it's more like that than it is like Drew Barrymore's, you know, 24 hours reset. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to make a correction here, Sterling. It was 10 second, Tom. Yes. Oh, that, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. And yeah, well, that is closer to the the main or the real condition. The part that I didn't like about 10 second Tom is once they said his name, you knew the joke and they never did anything with it. He just kept introducing himself to everybody on the screen. And it never paid off. It was another joke that just didn't pay off in a way that was funny. Yeah, that one fell flat for me, too, because I feel like someone who actually has that short of a memory loss, like, window, wouldn't just constantly be friendly, like, and in introducing themselves to everyone. They'd probably be confused as to where they are. So that joke yeah. is overdone, too. I guess I guess that, that kind of makes me think, like, I, I did wonder about that when I was watching, and I was like, would he be like this, or would he be more like the 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 love interest in the notebook where she remembers one moment and then like minutes later she's screaming because she has no idea who this guy is, you know, that'd probably be more likely. Right. I'm with you on that. Can we just talk about I am mother again? <laughs> is that what's going to make you happy? Cause I feel like you're very unhappy right now. You know, we, we I need to get through this. It's going to be good for me to get some anger out. Okay. I, I do have a, sort of backhanded compliment about the fake medical syndrome 
is I thought its name was very, very well put together. It was called Goldfield Syndrome within the movie. And it both sounded like the name of a person that might name a condition they discovered or um, maybe did a lot of research on, but it also sounded like the word goldfish. And goldfish are notorious for having short memories. So it was just a very, very smart name for a fictional memory condition. That is pretty smart. I don't see how it's backhanded. I mean, no, that's not backhanded. It's a backhanded compliment to the movie because that's the compliment I have. Oh, like, okay. <laughs> like, I don't have much else. <laughs> okay, what did we think about, like, were there any characters that you liked just a little more than everyone else? Like, did anyone stand out to you? Um, I, I enjoyed, and I'm not remembering his name, but the the larger Hawaiian native man that was the, the cook, the chef at yes. the diner. I enjoyed him. He, I thought he was cute and funny and wholesome. Um, and I also yeah. liked the portrayal of the dad who was who was put in this condition. He really acted it out in a way that you could tell he was guilty about it all and trying to figure out what was best for his daughter and trying to prepare her for him passing on. And it was also holding back his life in a big way. And I thought that was, was really interesting, but those are really the only two characters I can think of. Sterling. I hate to echo Dave throughout the entire episode, but um, (laughs) I also, those are are probably my two biggest characters. I definitely, you know, I liked the dad um, because he, he was, he actually seemed to care about his daughter. Um, you know, you, you, you felt like you said that you, you felt that he had that guilt. Um, and he went through a lot to, to try and make her okay. Even if, you know, it wasn't, even if it wasn't the right solution, like he did what he thought was best. Um, and the Hawaiian guy was, was great. Um, you know, uh, with the, the giant knife, <laughs> well, a lot of, a lot of good jokes with him, I will say, but, yes. but, um, yeah, and the dad had what I kind of thought of as a realistic arc with Adam Sandler's character, where his first reaction was, get away from my daughter, get off my lawn kind of reaction. But then he realized that Adam Sandler's character was making Drew Barrymore's character happy, make, making her more enriched. She was painting things differently and, and showing signs of joy. And he kind of eased up at that point. He was like, okay, we'll let you into our circle. Mm-hmm. Did anyone else think it was super crazy that Sean Austin played like the brother <laughs> that was like super tan and into steroids? Like that game, honestly, I got a kick out of that just because that was not, I totally forgot that was him in this movie. I've seen Sean Astin in Icebreakers. So this was, <laughs> this was not unexpected for me. Sean Astin's never been a big name or a leading man. He plays a lot of side characters in a lot of low-budget movies. Lord of the Rings is clearly his highlight, mm-hmm. where he played a side character in a big-budget movie. <laughs> I don't know. He's an Encino man. I have not seen it, and I don't know if I've heard of it. It's a comedy about uh, Sean Astin's character, who's in high school, and he and his... Uh, uh, you're probably going to decide whether you love or, or hate the idea of this movie right now. Polly Shore is his friend. Oh, no. <laughs> and they find a caveman in his uh, backyard when they're digging a pool. And the caveman is played by Brendan Fraser. Like, before Brendan Fraser did, like, the mummy and stuff. Okay, sounds like Ega, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie. Maybe. Ega. <laughs> 
Okay. Oh, geez. It's it's 11 minutes in. <laughs> oh, Dave, no. <laughs> I've got a few things here to talk about, but it's, it's really not going to take long. This was the first movie to ever be released on Blu-ray back in 2006. What? Are you serious? Yeah. It was this piece of shit movie, 50 First Dates. How did they make that happen? I have no idea. Money? Pro- probably they wanted to start with a movie that if the if the print didn't work, they hadn't lost much. That's fair. Um, Rob Schneider's swing as Ula, his golf swing, reminded me of Happy Gilmore. I thought that was a nice reference to Happy Gilmore. Well, the kids, too. It didn't make me laugh, but it made me go, huh. Good job, Adam Sandler, for referencing your better movies. <laughs> I love the little kids. I'm not going to lie. I thought they were hilarious. Yeah, they didn't do it for me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, like the way the movie's filmed, you you can tell that the kids aren't actually hearing the raunchy things. Basically, you can tell that Rob Schneider's being filmed where he's saying like, oh, have sex with that woman because I live vicariously through you. And then the kids are being filmed on a, a different day and they're just being told, react like somebody farted. And all the kids go, ah! Yes, it was adorable. The kids were oh. cute. They did their job. You know, they did what they could, and they were cute. Oh, I'm going to be grumpy this whole episode. To give you guys an idea of what I got from this movie, I watched a two-minute clip from the new Drew Barrymore show, Drew, where they revisited this in September of last year, and I think I laughed as many times during that as I did the entire movie. Um, yeah. I have not seen that. I generally am not a fan of Drew Barrymore. I'm not going to lie. Like, I know that's a hot take. She just doesn't do it for me. Um, but that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I like a lot of her stuff. I really liked her Charlie's Angels movies. What else did I like her in? Um, she was in the Santa Clarita Diet, a Netflix exclusive show. And it was good for maybe two seasons. It kind of overstayed its welcome, I would say. But very funny show for... For what it's worth, Timothy Oliphant plays her husband, and they're both just beautiful real estate people in California, and it's it's a very funny show. One episode of that show contains more laughs than the entirety of this film. <laughs> I will say, if we're talking Drew Barrymore, the movie I remember loving the most with her in it really featured her very little. Um, she's a, like a teacher or something in it, um, but she's in uh, Donnie Darko. Hmm. I've never been able to watch that all the way through. Really? Yeah. It's one of those weird classic movies that I just can't get through. Like that awful stoner movie by the Coen brothers. It's a cult classic, but you know, I would, I would say it's like a classic classic. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff that I don't like. Um, the Rocky horror picture show, terrible movie. I've never seen it. Oh, it's rough. I don't think I've seen that all the way through. Yeah, it has good scenes. It has good songs and funny moments, but it really doesn't have a plot. It's it's bizarre. Uh, yeah, not a fan of, of that one. There's there's just so many movies that people love that go right over my head, and and this is one of them. Uh, the Sixth okay. Sense, when they were watching The Sixth Sense in their home, uh, it made me think to myself, golly gee willikers, I sure wish I was watching The Sixth Sense instead of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh Dave what's it going to take for you to be like a happy camper what do we need to do 
see, here's the thing is I want to continuously revisit the rom-com genre because I haven't found anything I like within it. I, I don't like how formulaic and predictable it is, but I haven't liked any of the rom-coms we've done. And, and we've done a lot on this show. Um, I can never remember their names because they meant nothing to me. <laughs> but one of them had Daniel Radcliffe, just like the Guns Akimbo episode that came out recently. And Was that um, Swiss Army Man? Well, that wasn't a rom-com, but that's a Daniel oh. Radcliffe movie. Right. The rom-com with him was called like the F word or the L word. Probably the L word. The F word is forget about it. (laughs) Yeah. I forget the title. The movie also had multiple titles. It was titled something different in Britain than it was in England or uh, America. So anyway, have you watched um, bridesmaids yet? I have not. That's one that I avoided intentionally. Why? Not my movie. It's it's a Vince Vaughn movie, right? Uh, is it? He's not in it. Yeah, he's, he's not, not in it. Okay, who's in it? Kristen Wiig. Maya Rudolph. Oh, Melissa McCarthy. And it's a comedy. Yeah, yeah. it's a comedy. I would call it a romantic comedy. It's just a comedy. But no thanks. <laughs> I comedies are a really tough sell for me. I, I don't like written, rehearsed humor. I'm real stingy with this stuff. I'm I'm very prudish with comedy. Okay, that's fair. But Kristen Wiig, she did a lot of NSL stuff. She, or, oh my gosh, guys, I just said something that was not correct. SNL. Um, yeah, so okay. that's what I meant. <laughs> Sorry, I am sober, I swear. Uh, <laughs> but Kristen Wiig. <laughs> must be nice. Well, well maybe. Um she does a lot of like stand-up stuff. She's hilarious and she's in Bridesmaids and I guess she didn't always like write down her jokes beforehand. So maybe that'll work, Dave. Is she a is she like a thin blonde lady? Yep. Yes. I'm pretty sure she's like blacklisted from Hollywood for being a total bitch. Really? Yeah, if I remember my stories correct, if she's who I'm thinking of, like nobody will work with her anymore because she's a complete monster. All right, well, I'm going to start diving into my celeb drama, and I'll let you know. (laughs) Okay, perfect. We'll we'll follow up the next episode if we remember. Okay. Dave from the future here, recording a quick redaction. Apparently, Kristen Wiig is lovely to work with. I was thinking of Katherine Heigl, and even that may have been something I shouldn't have been talking about because Katherine Heigl was blacklisted for being tough to work with. And that whole situation may have been a lot more icky and unfair than I realized that the media outlets were reporting on. So I should just keep my mouth shut on the matters. Back to the podcast. Uh, This movie came out in 2004. It has a 45% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes, making it a firm splat. It is not considered fresh. I agree with that. It's bad. It's not funny. It's not romantic. It's not emotional. There's no reason to watch this. Um, I'm, I like that this part of Drew Barrymore's career and life is when some of her crazy stuff was behind her. I don't know if you remember, there was a period where she was known for like flashing David Letterman while recording a show and she was married to Tom Green at one point. I mean, she was married to Tom Green. What did you expect? Yeah, like she had a crazy period that was 
it was kind of trending towards Lindsay Lohan territory, but she didn't quite get there. And, and we brought her back somehow. <laughs> we brought back Drew Barrymore from the abyss and she's now a good actor again. And I, I love what she's doing these days, but her, her movies around this era just were misses for me. Yeah. I will say this movie, it did have kind of an identity crisis at times it wanted to be that like romantic comedy type thing. And then I, other times it felt like it was a juvenile, you know, fart yes. comedy. I, I really think that this is like the best Adam Sandler could have done in this genre. Like, I really think this is kind of all he could give it, you know, like I, I think I went into it like one knowing I've seen this from the time I was little, but also like knowing who Adam Sandler is, what he's capable of. I think maybe my standards were just low, guys. I don't know. I got to say, my favorite, you know, I guess you would call it a romantic comedy with him in it, is probably The Wedding Singer. Um, by far, in my opinion, a much better movie. But he was also mm-hmm. much younger when he made that, I think. Okay, here's my Adam Sandler opinions. Here's my hot takes. My favorite comedy from him is Little Nicky. Oh, like my favorite comedy comedy, yeah, it's probably Little Nicky. But I'm talking like... If I have to look at a romantic comedy he's in, it's... Wedding Singer does nothing for me. Oh, Dave. Is that because love stinks? Yeah, yeah. I can't sing, so I'll stop. No, that was good. Well, that's another funny point you bring up, because Fifty First Dates even had the stereotypical Adam Sandler playing a guitar, singing a funny song bit that is in so many of his movies. He didn't play guitar, he played a ukulele. There's a difference. Was it? That's funny. I distinctly remember it being a guitar. Was it? Yeah. Well, it shit. Was... Did I make an assumption because it was in Hawaii? Yes. <laughs> Stir- I swear he plays a ukulele at some point. You're grounded. And found out why Doug always has to change his sheets. There was somebody playing a ukulele at some point, but it wasn't Adam Sandler. Maybe I wasn't paying that close attention. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, that's fair. <laughs> Did you guys also multitask while watching this movie? No, but no. not on purpose anyway. <laughs> I did not multitask, but it took me three viewing sessions to get through this piece of human garbage. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm sorry that I put you through so much torture. No, no, no. This is good for the podcast. It's good to have some derision. Like, all of the last movies were good movies that everybody was just like, yep, that was good. Enjoyed it. See you next time. It's good to have some fighting on the show every now and then, I think. That's true. Next time, we'll get you a glass of bourbon before you have to watch a movie that you know you're not going to like. But the thing is, I want to like, well, maybe it'll make me like them. (laughs) I, I don't know what's missing. There, there's something just missing from me where these movies don't hit at all. I think I just might be too prudish. Like I, I like high art movies that are mm-hmm. cinema and Adam Sandler does not make high art movies that are, except for uncut gems. Uncut gems was fantastic. Did either of you see it? I still do. No, I have not. Uh, it's on the list though. It's a good watch. Um, I heard it's really hard to watch. Like it's very like anxiety inducing. It's, uh, see, I didn't get anxiety from it so much as it's kind of Kubrickian in its pacing. It's a very slow movie where it doesn't feel like a lot of things are happening, but but it's a very small story. And 
it's it's wonderful. Hmm. Okay. So, other Hawaiian movies. Can you y'all think of any other stories that take place in Hawaii? Um, I know of one, but I can't think of what it's called right now. Lilo and Stitch. The one that comes to mind for me is Lilo and Stitch. Yep, for sure. Well, obviously, but there's another one I'm trying to think of, and I can't remember it. It's got, um, oh. Elvis? No. There's a famous Elvis movie where Elvis goes to Hawaii. I cannot think of the guy's name. Uh, he's in um, the remake of uh, Ocean's Eleven. Um, Brad Pitt. No, the other George guy. Clooney. George Clooney is in it. Um, it has to do with like family and stuff like that, but it takes place in Hawaii. I can't remember what it's called. Hmm. I haven't seen it, but I know of it. Hmm. I'm trying to remember if Across the Sunset takes place in Hawaii, the Pierce Brosnan movie. Hmm. It takes place on a beautiful island, so... Isn't Forgetting it, Sarah Marshall in Hawaii? I forget. Ah. <laughs> I've never seen it, so... You might actually like that No, one. I don't watch comedies. Oh, that's a great one. I don't one. know. That's probably it's one Seth of my favorite... It's Rogen, like... right? No, it's, um... Oh, Veronica Mars. Can't think of her name. Fair what? enough. And uh, Jason. How I met your mother. Jason okay. Siegel. Yes. Yeah, I hate him. He's terrible. Oh, okay. Well. Oh, Mila Kunis. Maybe not then. Mila Kunis is in it. Yeah, she was great in uh, Jupiter Ascending, and um, Max Payne. Wow, Mila Kunis. Being sarcastic. <laughs> yes, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> My favorite thing that she's been in so far has been those bourbon commercials. It just makes me want bourbon. All right. So back to Lilo and Stitch and cultural appropriation of Hawaii. Speaking of Elvis. I might be able to ruin Lilo and Stitch for you folks. Do you, no. do you want me to do that? Kind of, but no. How dare you? Like in, in me, but like. I hear, I hear resounding yeses. <laughs> okay. So there's a famous scene in Lilo and Stitch where uh, Lilo's older sister starts singing a Hawaiian song called Aloha Oi. Mm -hmm. That song was written by the last monarch of Hawaii 10 years before America annexed Hawaii and and forced them into a colonization situation, took control of Hawaii. And it translates to farewell to thee. And Disney used this song that was basically a a goodbye song to the culture and history of Hawaii. And they put it in an animated Disney movie to sell to white people. (laughs) That's sad. Yeah. Lilo and Stitch, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, because the only way I knew that song was from this movie. And so now I like, I can't ever picture it the same. Yep. And if you look into it, I'm going to butcher her name, but the monarch Lily Ukatani wrote it. And something else that I learned recently while just looking up Hawaii stuff, I couldn't believe this. Let's see if you know this as a fact. What year did Hawaii become a state? Wasn't it in the 50s? It was in the 50s. It was 1959. And I couldn't believe that. Yeah, it's weird to think. Pearl Harbor. Yeah, well, like how recent that is. Yeah. Yeah, like people I know were alive. When Hawaii became a state. That's bizarre. You guys know I lived there for three years, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. I miss it. Did you ever see any walrus dicks? No. 
I don't think walruses are like known for being in Hawaii. I always thought they were like cold weather animals. Well, yeah, that was some kind of Sea World attraction kind of thing, which oh. is its own can of worms. I kind of haven't yeah. touched base on that. <laughs> for sure. I know. Did you guys ever go to Sea World? I yes, I did. the The one up near Cleveland, or, or yep, Cleveland is about where it was. I don't know if it was okay. exactly in Cleveland, but that's the one I went to too. And then it was crazy growing up, and then learning all of the drama behind it. Do we need to watch Blackfish now? Oh my god, oh, it's a such movie. a good movie and so devastating. So you guys like documentaries? Oh, love them. I do. I I don't really know how we would talk about them for. Oh no, I'm just asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watch documentaries. The last one Big I fan. watched was on a uh, a filmmaker that sort of formed an emotional bond with an octopus. I think it was called My Teacher or My Octopus Teacher. I'm really not great with titles. Yeah, I think it was called like My Teacher or something. Okay. And it was a lovely documentary where this diver just continuously met with this wild octopus and the octopus would like cling to him and, and show signs of affection. And they became like buddies somehow. Octopi are like so smart. They're incredible. Speaking of documentaries, have you guys heard about the new Britney Spears one that just got posted on Hulu? No. Leave Britney alone. Leave her alone. That's exactly right. Free Britney is what we're here for. Dave, do you know anything about like her conservatorship? I've, her I'm not up to date on it, but I remember hearing about it back in the day. And uh, for we've for just for the record, we've been talking about everything but Fifty First Dates <laughs> for like 20 minutes. But go on about Britney Spears. Just to show you what we thought of the movie. Well, yes. Um, anyway, I'm going to watch the, it's called Framing Britney Spears, and I'm watching it tonight because I heard it's incredible and gives more and more insight into her situation of her life being controlled by her dad. Um, so I would recommend it so that we all have something to talk about next time we watch a bad movie. Let's talk about this well, instead. So many child actors are controlled by their parents to an extremely high degree. It's really difficult to make it big in Hollywood and make a name as a kid without having a, an overly controlling parent. Like, this story's been told over and over and over again. Yeah, I think the difference is that she is an adult who is still being controlled. And that's what makes it, like, super, like, I don't know, just um, insane and different than the other childhood stars we heard about. That's fair. And, and speaking of childhood stars and bringing this back to 51st Dates, Sean Astin, childhood star. He was in The Goonies. Yes. So is Drew Barrymore, E.T. This is yeah. true. Wow. I've never seen E.T. I've never taken the wow. time to watch it. It's one of my childhood favorites. It's a little creepy. I watched it like well, as absolutely. a kid. It might be why I'm scared of aliens. Probably. How did that make you scared of aliens over all the other crap that was coming out like Men in Black? It was a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly, it was probably X-Files that made me scared of aliens. My parents used to want to watch that, and I would not let them. <laughs> I heard the theme song, and I was like, nope. <laughs> now I love it. <laughs> but as a child, I'm not going to lie, E.T. was kind of like creepy looking at first. Eventually got cute throughout the movie, but. Ow. I'm still just mad that Steven Spielberg ripped off Mac and me. What is that? That was a deep cut movie joke. Obviously, I've lost you a little bit. I get it. <laughs> I haven't actually seen Mac and Me, but I get the joke. <laughs> okay. Anything else for 50 First Dates? Hmm. The Penguin was kind of fun. 
that he had the penguin in there. It was cute. Okay. <laughs> we want to give it ratings. Yeah, let's give it ratings. Okay. Sterling, or let's have Suze go first. I think she was the most optimistic. I feel like this is not a good idea, but I would probably give it like a six out of ten. Sterling, I will give it one bucket of walrus puke, <laughs> which is like a two out of ten. Nice. I'm giving it fifty thumbs down. Oh. Okay. What's that translate to? Percentage wise. It translates to "fuck you" movie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever get on my screen again. An hour and 50 minutes, you'll never get back. It could have been <sighs> so much shorter. There were so many things that like didn't contribute to the story at all. <laughs> so anyway, what are you guys going to do to cheer yourselves up? Well, here's the thing that makes me the, the most upset about it, is that it's a, it's a very cute framing for a story. This didn't have to be a bad movie. Like, this didn't need walrus puke, and is the... Is the ugly woman a bisexual? She's horny. Who, let's try to get her laid. Let's try to get Adam Sandler laid. Like, this didn't need to be a silly, silly movie. And anybody else would have been a better fit than Adam Sandler because love the guy. He's a nice guy. He's really not a romantic lead. He doesn't have the looks for it. He doesn't have the charisma for it. Sorry, I'm not better looking. Like... There was one scene where Drew Barrymore walked past him and she hadn't met him yet. And she kind of looked him over and like gave him a side eye like, hey, handsome. And I was like, F- off. That's Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, it it's... just didn't work from start to finish. But the whole idea yeah. of, of somebody losing their memory every night and somebody falling in love with them, it's a cute framework for a story. And I think that's the most frustrating thing. I mean, it was never going to work. His head is shaped like an egg. Don't worry, you're not going to suffer any short-term memory loss. But was your head shaped like an egg before she hit you? Yeah, they made that joke like 30 times. <laughs> I know. Did the did the Hawaiian guy ever joke about cracking it on the grill? I don't think that joke was made, and it was a missed opportunity. Ugh, Sterling. You're so right. I should write in Hollywood. You absolutely you should. should. I'd support you. I'd pay full price. I mean that. Sterling? <laughs> Well, in terms of what's coming next for the podcast, I think we're taking a week off after this one. We need a break after seeing 50 First Dates. <laughs> and on March 8th, we're going to be doing Vast of Night, which Ooh. is, I, I don't know much about it. Uh, from what I understand, it's a movie where some teenagers are uh, radio. I forget what the term is, but people used to just get on the radio and kind of talk to each other long range. Ham radio? Yeah, yeah. So they're ham radio operators, and something supernatural happens, and then question mark. But I'm optimistic about this one. I, I think it'll be a fun one to discuss. In view, that'll be with Kelsey and Treb, returning podcast veterans. In terms of 50 first dates, thanks for coming out, Suze. Thanks for coming out, Sterling. Thanks, Dave. Always appreciate you guys here. Of course. We'll have a better movie for us next time. <laughs> with more substance, so we can talk <laughs> about it. Well, thanks any listeners that tuned in. We appreciate your listenership. Please give us a share on social media or rate us on any app that you listen to us on. Very, very much appreciated. Everybody stay safe out there and have a great day. Bye. Whoa.